Welcome to Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett. Today, I'm going to start out by having a really good friend on, somebody I've known for a long time, and I'll let him tell you what it is he does, but his name is Donald Bell. Welcome, Donald. I'm glad to be here. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And Donald and I have been friends for Oh, so many years. Yes, many, many lives. Many lives. We used to both live in the Sacramento area, mm-hmm. and we both found ourselves in the Bay Area around, kind of around the same time. I think mm-hmm. you showed up here a little bit before I did, and uh, I followed suit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I thought Donald would be a great guest because I definitely think of him as a multi-creative person. And um, also because it's always nice to start off new projects with mm-hmm. friends or you feel a little bit more comfortable to, you know, venture and do a new project. So now I'll just ask Donald what it is that you, how do you describe what it is you do? <laughs> <laughs> It depends who I'm talking to, typically. Um, I think uh, right now my my main thing that I'm engaged with is my YouTube channel for my maker projects and maker project weekly news show, uh, which is called Maker Update. And that's the thing that I'm I'm probably engaged with the most right now, mm-hmm. and I have some guilt around that too because there are a lot of there are other other projects that have fallen to the back burner that I wish were not so. But uh, right now I I produce Maker Update Weekly. I do um, other videos for a site called Cool Tools, where I'll do a video review of different tools or uh, not just tools, but appliances, gear, things that are recommended by other people or things that I found. And I, I send those off to Cool Tools, which is a a site that's run by um, Kevin Kelly from Wired and Mark Frauenfelder from Boing Boing. Oh, okay. They pair up to do that site. And I've been a fan of that site and their podcast for a while. So do videos for them. I do videos for myself. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I am in a band called Aloha Screwdriver. And I practice with my friends in the band. Uh, it's usually weekly, but recently it's been, we've been falling off schedule. Mm-hmm. That, um, happens. that happens. <laughs> but uh, then, we, you know, something on, we'll all sync back up and we'll you know, get back into gear and uh, have, have shows to practice for or something like that. But right now it's just in the holidays. Um, sure. And with uh, some, some new, a new kid on the way from uh, our bass players. Gotcha. Family, um, things have taken a bit of a lull, but that's the other that's the other main thing that I do is the band. Yeah, I think of that too. Like you guys have played together for quite a while. Is that it seems like there's different eras of being in a band, and certainly when it's over a span of time, you sort of get a hopefully a comfortable rhythm of knowing like we're not falling apart we're just in a different phase or like you said right now we're recording right at the end of 2017 so typically there's going to be some travel or Mm. people might be getting more head colds or (laughs) (laughs) they're just a little stretched than um for their scheduling and stuff yeah i think at this point you know we're all in our late 30s and we've uh we're not we're not trying to game it for MTV stardom right now. Right. Like it's, it's, it's like we're, we're casually in a band that releases music regularly, but still it's not, uh, there's nothing cutthroat about what we're doing. You know, we're, uh, we're friends who are in a band, but we're it, both are not equally up there. I think our friendship is, <laughs> I hope our friendship <laughs> is the, the, the paramount concern there. Gotcha. Um, 
but we've also we've we've been we've kept the band going through all of us having our kids and continuing to have our kids and uh if if nothing if kids can't derail a band i don't know what will for sure or a move but yeah or the girlfriend or the (laughs) (laughs) right most of the roadblocks have been uh have been already navigated so we'll we'll hang in there also it helps that we're in like a surf rock instrumental surf rock band we always talk about how we can we can age into this band as long right. as we need to. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, it's I, already got a built I see <laughs> us like still playing in the senior home. You know, if we could, if we could, we have to actually find a way, uh, actually pr- as a practical concern right now for our drummer, Steve, he's been having like foot problems. Mm. Like how do we, how do we build, how can we do this band all from wheelchairs or from sitting down? So how can we really, you know, turn that corner soon so that we can all just be playing in chairs. That sounds to me too like something that you could um, work on with your other project with the Maker Project Lab is like how you make this band geriatric when, you know, how do you jerry rig everything so that you guys can like make a robo band if one of you loses a foot or an arm or yeah. something like you that. You joke, but actually it is part of my task right now or my thinking right now around the band is how to uh, integrate it more with the making Hmm. uh, side of things the diy electronics and technology side of things to make it more of a show and as much as a band well yeah i think that's a great thing to talk about too um for multi-creatives how do we what's the umbrella that your different creative pursuits kind of go under. And I would definitely say, having seen you perform, that there is a theatrical, but also a bit of a, a bit of a show, a bit of a, a light show and yeah. other things like that. So already that that's, that's already there, but you're saying you want to add more to that or. Yeah. And I think it, it also gets to the fact that I know that I'm most of my motivation right now is towards making doing projects and filming projects and and working with do-it-yourself technology um and if i can harness that to kind of get my enthusiasm back up for the band too it helps but it's also it's just kind of like and i don't know if it's just the bay area Mm -hmm. but right now like there's I don't know if there's anything quite as uncool as being in a rock and roll band (laughs) in the bay area right now and maybe in the United States or the world, but like, I don't know, maybe it's just been a bad stretch of shows, but mm. I feel like we've been playing good venue. Or, I mean, decent venues in the San, in San Francisco Bay area, on, you know, a Friday, Saturday night. And it's just kind of even crickets. Mm. And it's either like the world telling you like, look, no one wants to see your band at all. Or it's like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the standing rock and roll venues and music nights have been turned into DJ nights. And I understand the appeal of that, especially for a young audience that's, you know, increasingly taking uh the reins in the Bay Area. But right. uh it also is like, well, it's maybe time to regroup and think about a different approach to Yeah, to, to, it's so interesting as you, you know, you you know <laughs> because you're there. Mm-hmm. You guested um on my previous podcast about this is Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. Spinal Tap Minute, and something that came up quite often, especially when we were talking with fellow musicians, mm-hmm. is the changing landscape of music. Mm-hmm. So regardless of if, if the music itself is something that <clears throat> maybe is appealing to a 
what is it a narrow <laughs> smaller audience i can't remember the spinal tap quote but um you know more selective audience yes. <laughs> I think. um or also right. just the nature of how we consume stuff you know yeah. like i I used to go see bands all the time and I saw you guys for the first time, like the earlier this year, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous because there's no barrier. I mean, the barrier of getting there is so low, yeah. right? Like you guys are close by, um, low ticket price. There's other, you know, good bands on the bill. The sound was good, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I, I, I understand. I, I fight my yeah. own kind of resistance to it and cringe around it, and I just have to be honest with myself about that. And I think that it's part of it. I don't know. I could. There's a, a lot of different threads you could pull on it for why it is. I think for me, the revelation that was uh, stood out for me. This was years ago. I, I did a. Uh, talk about multi-creative but I, my, one of the little turns i made was into stand-up comedy mm-hmm. and doing um open mics in san francisco and then building it to a show and it was a lot of fun and i also knew that i just didn't need like one other thing mm-hmm. for me to do mm-hmm. um and that as, as fun as it was it was also like this is one of those things I could come back to if I really want to, but like the band where I have friends who are here close by who are actively wanting to be in a band. Like I don't want to give up that for this, you know, and there's only so much time in a week, right. but the revelation was booking a, a Wednesday night comedy show in some theater in the mission in San Francisco, like a, other, like a place that would be hard to get to. No one's ever been there before. Probably mm-hmm. uh, ticket prices were maybe like $20, not like the, the $5 we'd usually do for a show, like a, try to lure someone out to a show, you know, <laughs> right, right. Um, to see the band $20 ticket price venue. No one's been to before a bunch of comics. No one's ever heard before, but it just being the promise of comedy and not having to tolerate someone's band that you may or may not enjoy. <laughs> You're right. Right. It was like a sold out show of like unknown comics that I was on the bill for. And it's like, this is like, I hadn't, I've been, it's been so long since I've been doing shows and trying to get people out to shows to see a band or see bands Mm -hmm. that I had forgotten that if you're, sometimes if you're offering something (laughs) entirely different, the reaction to it is, so different and so seeing that really opened my eyes to like man if i could if i could make the band something that's not like oh my god i'm gonna have to go see this band that may or may not be great or maybe they're a great band but they may or may not have a good night whatever it is i didn't have to i didn't have to sell anybody coming out to an open mic comedy show you know right that was just like of course i'll go see that you know and and even if even if like half the comedians are awful they're all gonna have five or ten minute sets that i can you know, there's something about tolerating an awful band that's different. It's like it can be loud and obnoxious and like it can it can sour you to going out and see bands in a way that seeing awful stand up comedy, if a five, 10 minute awful comedian, it's not going to turn you off to seeing comedies necessarily, you know? Yeah, I'm listening and I'm kind of like thinking about because what I was going to say is, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've gone to see live comedy a lot more mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm versus how much music live music i've gone to see yeah. <clears throat> but part of that is 
um, because I've been listening to so many podcasts. So it's like, okay, I've been listening to Doug Benson for free mm -hmm. for years. Now he's playing at the Sacramento Punchline. I'm going to go see him and pay for it. And I, I, I know I'm going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like not an obligation, but kind of a like, I want to give you some money because you've been giving me all this free content for so many years. Right. But also I feel like going to see you do stand up, I'd be like, wow, I'm going to see something different that I've never seen Donald do. Yeah. Like I can hear him. I've heard him over the years play guitar. I know he's talented, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But like, I'm going to hear your, hear a part of you hopefully being revealed that I've never heard, you know, something right. vulnerable. Yeah. Something I, I understand different. that. Different. And too. so I mean, they, they typically call them bringer shows, right? It's like mm -hmm. all the comedians are trying to get their own friends to show up and see them do something they've never seen their friend do before. But the the analog to that to music of like come out and see me play on acoustic guitar you've never seen me do that before this is it's still it's a harder yeah, sell i get it hey yeah. as a musician i get it because yeah. like i played at julie's coffee and tea garden people would come in it was a suggested donation mm. and i have friends around town that were always like oh yeah we'll see you there or i go back to sacramento where i feel i have a quote-unquote following mm. you know at least more people knew me and knew my brother and they knew the music was good i mean i would say i have no problem saying like the quality of music i was putting out the quality of music you're putting out is good quality music that mm. people will enjoy to be like where are all my friends you yeah. know what's no. the deal it'd be like early in the evening so it wasn't like oh i'm sorry i just can't make it to 11 o'clock anymore or you know all those like excuses so i get it so i'm curious so, yeah that's i feel yeah. like we're we're there right now i think the band is being honest with the fact that is as, as much shtick as we have and as, as much as we try to make it an interesting night for people it's there's more that could be done yeah possibly and maybe even like a different way of booking the shows or getting people if we if we make it more of a an experience and less of a you know there's two openers and you know or right. we're, we're somewhere in the lineup here something different that people are kind of like when i think about when i first <laughs> moved to the bay area about 12 years ago or whatever it was um that there was more burlesque or variety so you know it was pretty exciting to go oh we're gonna go see there'll there'll be some live music mm -hmm. but there'll also be some aerialists and some burlesque yeah. performers and we played some low and shows some too. comedy and some packed shows yeah, yeah it's like hard to resist that <laughs> and sure some of the people would be duds or some mm -hmm. of the performing wasn't great but you knew it was only gonna be a few minutes and yeah i've definitely toyed with the idea of putting together sort of some sort of variety or cabaret type of thing where i'm the curator I think I definitely have a personal, like I like to curate experiences, you know, yeah. like managing coffee houses. I want to have the right music and good quality food and a, an environment that's very, you know, welcoming and conducive to conversation. And, and when I have booked shows or been the person that's bringing in the, the bands mm. or bringing in the artwork or bringing in whatever, like I like the idea of getting together a couple of interesting little things and putting them together. So I, I definitely get the, well, I'm curious what kind of stuff you're thinking about doing i don't know you know it's like it's on on my i'll i'll usually t on a day-to-day -day basis if i have the day in front of me i'll put together a list of things i want to accomplish that day i've literally wrote 
save the band on that list <laughs> several days in a row. It's like save I'm, the cat. Yeah. I'm like, band. oh, okay, what? <laughs> like just today I, I put down instead of save the band, well, I try to make it more granular if I can, mm-hmm. so I can, I can make it more realistically cross something off the list. And then I think today I wrote like make the minimum viable plot line mm-hmm. for a show. If, if you were going to like write a 20 minute like one act play that also had the band in it somehow. Right. Like what would that, what's the least I could get away with and have it not be a band performance, but performance of some other, some other kind of thing that you'd go out and see. Right. To the point where you would book a theater for it and like a little mini look, a little, you know, tiny theater for it instead of booking a rock venue or club, you know? So right away, there's one thing you're thinking the venue will be different. So it may bring a different crowd or bring the people who I've been wanting to bring. They might go, oh, you're going to be at the such and such. Yeah, it's not that we're at the elbow room. It's that we're we're, it's a performance Mm -hmm. thing here. Yeah, I don't know. That's where we're thinking right now. And again, if I can if I can build some robots to make it work or do some different stage production or something like that. I mean, the other thing that I keep ruminating on and this is happening for museums right now too. Museums are having kind of like their their competitive moment for a lot of the like the the Meow Wolf and the the different art collectives mm-hmm. like what was the Ice Cream Museum of Ice Cream where mm-hmm. there's like the color uh, I forgot I didn't I haven't gone to them but I've seen all the Instagram photos because everyone's right. going nuts for these different art experiences that they can Instagram every room on right, right? Well, I know the Crocker has regular art parties mm-hmm. but they're a lot more than just show up and hear a DJ or something there's like yeah there's a whole experience of- yeah and so I feel like that's what I've been hearing about how museums have been trying to react to this is kind of the same moment where there's there's a certain predictability or stodginess that you're trying to break out of. But a lot of people are going out to experiences and almost just as like an Instagram opportunity, right? Right, right. Where they see that someone else is like Instagrammed a photo from the, you know, the ball pit at the color museum. Mm-hmm. And they want to have that same type of thing. And that in itself snowballs a kind of... Uh, a viralness of the experience or people wanting to go out. <laughs> you, you couldn't just like be like uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers on stage and be like, this is amazing. But if it right. was like, there was like a line of the Red Hot Chili Peppers photo experience after every show, <laughs> right, you know, it would, right. people would, people would line up for that. Maybe even more now than they would line up to go to the show. What are they really looking for? I guess is the question like for themselves. Yeah. What are they getting out of that? And you can, I'm that, very curious. That can go deep. But yeah, I, I think there is it's this interesting shift. And it's one that I am like uh, growing up for me, pre-internet, you know, so much of like what made people cool in my eyes or like what I tried to I, how I tried to cultivate my own coolness was sure. like the secret shit, you know, like it was like. Uh, you, you'd go to Berkeley and there, like, there's a zine rack in Berkeley that had this particular, you know, had fact sheet five or had, uh, whatever, whatever the key was to the coolness and mm-hmm. you alone were able to kind of get it. And none of your friends were, there was like, it was, um, uh, or you got to be the first person to bring it to your friends or something. Right. Have you seen this? Exactly. And it wasn't necessarily something you shared. I don't know. There's still part of me right. that I feel like is, and it might just be my own messed up way of seeing the world but it still feels like the the coolness comes from like me having the secret knowledge not not just sharing it to everybody in some ways like it's right as opposed to 
<laughs> the clown horns go up. <laughs> in my neighborhood people are just so few i don't know if it will pick up on the microphone it might um <laughs> just like, we have carts like food carts and okay stuff. i just figured uh, it's your neighborhood clown yeah. going by <laughs> squeezing his nose yeah so like the Anyway, the, <laughs> the Kardashian version where it's just like every I want to show you everything amazing right. that I'm doing with my life right now. Right. And I want as soon as I know the thing, I want to tell everybody about it. And whether it's genuine or not, I want it. It's like so much of it is like, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Right. Look at how awesome this is, what I'm doing. And I feel like that's more generally what people are looking for somehow from or at least I'm picking up on it now that so much of what people are going, how they want to spend their money when they're going out on a Friday night is some experience where they can report back on right. social media. Look at this awesome thing I'm doing. Right. And if it's hard to record or capture, or there's not, you know, if it's just another blurry image from the back of a uh, concert hall, you know, whether it's spinal tap or Weezer or Kanye, it's like, if you can't, adequately convey how awesome it is that you're there experiencing this thing it's almost like it's wasted money right if you can't plant your little flag right. in the experience and for whatever your motivations are <laughs> be able to show people like i was here experiencing this thing i got to this was you know yeah i might have missed out on all these other things that all my awesome friends are doing but here's what i was doing right and i have the right photo op here to capture that, that. yeah know. yeah and say i i feel like it ultimately people you know i think this is sort of <laughs> an oprah-ish type thing mm -hmm. to say but i think it's a really thing that that most of us know already is that most people just want to be seen you know or heard or understood mm -hmm. and i think part of that is them just saying i am here too i am here i exist yeah uh, at the very base level right but as far as who we want to reach, like as creative people, as you, as a musician, as a, somebody that's driven by creativity and collaborating with your your buddies, you know, mm. you said, you know, yes, we're musicians and a band, but above and beyond, we're also friends. And to stay engaged and excited uh, doing a collaboration, how might we mix up this collaboration so that other people are excited about it mm. and see it and want to come and hang out with us? And I feel like. I would venture to guess anyways, the people that you want to reach are people who like creative, interesting, cool stuff. So maybe for them, ultimately, it's not going to be about them finding like, oh, we got to go to that thing because I'll be able to take a great photo of myself inserted into it. But how do you go beyond that? And I'm not saying I have the answer to this, but how do you go beyond that to give them entice them to an experience where they feel part of it, truly a part of it, or truly like, I got to see a cool thing. Yeah. And I want to share it with my friends because I'm not like stuck on that, like this is secret, or is it kind of a secret society or secret fun club, but then you do want to tell your friends so it's less of a secret. I, I mean, I'm kind of talking circularly, yeah. but no, I, I think anything to some degree, you have to trick people to get in the door, you know, I mean, no one starts a new thing if it's genuinely kind of new and interesting and people already are a fan of that new thing, right? right. You, you've got to somehow entice people in. Absolutely. Um, and I just don't feel like any rock band right now, even if you're 19 years old and the new hotness being pushed by Warner Brothers or whoever it is, like I think everyone in 
kind of conventional rock and roll is having a hard time selling conventional rock and yeah. roll right now. Well, and the other thing too, I, I totally agree with you. The other thing too is like we just saw a great movie the other day, of which there are many out mm-hmm. there. You know, there's there's so much stuff out there. Again, this isn't something new that I'm just telling the world. Like we all know this. There's so many television shows, so much, so many movies. Mm-hmm. There's so many um, home theater experiences if you're, you know, if you're lucky and able to have that in your home, that makes it harder. But it's also like there's so much stuff. It's hard to get locked into a band the way, you know, I still remember Penny, my longtime friend, bringing me Nirvana for the first time, you know, And, and that exciting discovery of nirvana but there was a lot less noise going on so it was easy for that straight shot for her to like bring me an lp Mm -hmm. put it on and have us experience listening to that and then just go this is one of my new favorite bands whereas now there's so many ways to consume music whatever however you're getting it Mm -hmm. and so many ways to have experiences of consuming media, whatever it is. For me, it's vital for a lot of things to be consumed in person when I think of music. Besides, I mean, besides just listening and going, oh, I love this album or I love this song or whatever. But I mean, it's like to go see a band like you guys, I feel like I'm going to get more out of I've listened to you guys and you guys are great, but I get a lot more out of it seeing you guys in person. So Well, I think that there's also there's a larger thing of just like we're at a saturation point with access to music now. Like when the Nirvana era was around, it was still like there was the mainstream radio that you couldn't avoid. There was mainstream, you know, MTV, there was mainstream radio, but getting music otherwise was like you're going to Tower Records and finding the guy with the green hair to be able to give you the recommendations that were off the radar that could change your life. But otherwise, there's no other easy way for that stuff to filter through. Right. Right. And now it's flipped and it's like, you could listen to the radio, but it's the lowest common denominator. It's never been more of a mainstream hit parade of like the same 10 songs on radio. And so, but you've got now you can queue up Spotify and they're going to recommend like 30 different things you've never heard of before. That could be amazing. Now, now the time, now the, the struggle is just like, with all this amazing music that you could possibly expose yourself to, how does any of it still surprise you? Mm-hmm. And, and and then the experiences, it comes back to the experience. And I think that's yeah. where a lot of the, the music labels are trying to do too, is trying to make bigger concerts, more Beyonce experiences, more things that you're going to go out and see because they're not making the money off of the music anymore. Right. right? Or like I think of <laughs> outside lands where you're going to something, there's, lots of bands but you can also see comedians Mm -hmm. you can also see like um skinner at least i know in the past he's done you know art installations or murals there Mm -hmm. so you're like going you're gonna get all this stuff you're gonna get murals from amazing artists and comedians and music and crowd like and that's another thing for me too is that i mean i know we're talking about you doing something to mix things up and engage more people. Yeah. And of course, me being a person who likes to go hear music and wants to go see you guys thinking about how it's changed for me is that, you know, I'm not as an ideal audience for people as much anymore, because I also realize the older I get, the harder it is for me to be in loud 
or crowded environment. Yeah, so, and that's all the other you know, whole rationale that for me being, part of the motivation for being in the band is mm. that it's a way for me to get off my own complacent ass and get out to be in San Francisco on a Friday night when I would not otherwise drag myself out there unless there's something I really wanted to see. But I'm always glad that I'm there. Yeah. Even if it's like a dingy show that no one shows up to, it's like it it's so a part of my, you know, adolescence. Like I I started playing teen centers with these same guys when I was right. like 15 years old. So it's like the the dingier and and more poorly attended the show, the more it feels like home to me. Totally. But I still don't want to still be playing at 39 years old be playing to the other bands essentially yeah. you know like yeah those shows we just had one of those recently it's like why is why is it still like this <laughs> why can, how, how is like after being in this band for so long how can we still have nights like this yeah i mean i think the the other thing i did recently is i saw the artist tom Sachs mm-hmm. have a um uh at the yerba buena center for the arts he had this thing called space program where he and his kind of crew of minions reenact this fake space trip to, and in this case, it was the Europa and they, it's like this multi hour long thing. And you sit in the audience of folding chairs and you watch him go through the motions of pretending like he's like, he and his crew are going to Europa and, there it's really but it's all like it's all tongue in cheek and you see them like actually taking like a drill out to like a frozen block of ice back behind the museum and it's all done over like closed circuit tv but it was like aside from the fact that i needed a bathroom break halfway through or just it was out was out past my bedtime i just wanted to stay around for the whole thing because mm-hmm. it was like this shared experience and it was silly and it was fun and it was so much more memorable than turning on Spotify or any or seeing a you know a band on a Friday night it was weird and makery and mm-hmm. you know it was it had all those things I'm like ah it was like um the other band that we've always kind of aspired to be like is Man or Astro Man. I was just thinking yeah. about that because yeah. I remember and seeing And this was them. to me this is this was like <laughs> yeah. almost like the logical extension of the Man or Astro Man like shticky mm-hmm. NASA tinged uh retro astronaut stuff but without the music but with the stage show completely replacing the music gotcha and i wouldn't want to go there necessarily but i feel like there's there's some extra room in between there well and i think just the the idea of experimenting with what you guys you know who knows i could check back in with you in a year and you can yeah. be like aloha screwdriver is now this, this <laughs> now that, an all you know? acoustic outfit <laughs> exactly. playing senior senior homes yeah i would venture to guess the three of you are all quite multi-creative people and that you don't know what's around the corner but being open to experimenting yeah i mean steve is making uh, our drummer is is having a tremendous success as the lead singer and uh ukulele player of a children's band that he's devised he's now on his second album and i would have never guessed sorry steve that like three years ago when he'd put this together that he'd be making a lot more money and booking a lot more gigs playing children's music than he would be with aloha screwdriver but right. again i feel like it comes back to that stand-up comedy moment for me which is like if you entirely change what you're selling and what the audience might be for it you can you can hit upon something that is not a you don't have to work so hard to sell that people are actually eager to have you're this a new grateful thing. Yeah. yeah it's interesting because my brother is in a curtain group mm-hmm. now so he performs regularly with a variety of instrumentalists 
performing to people who are doing like chanting with it. And, and so it's this, he's, he, I mean, among other things, he's said, it's this incredible symbiosis that you have with the, the audience. Mm-hmm. So again, here's this participation there, you know, going back and forth and it's collaborative and improvisational. Uh, impro- yeah, it's, yeah. So it's collaborative, improvisational, and he gets paid more than any other job, yeah. music job he's ever had. Sure. He's like, people appreciate what we're doing. And we're, we're within a group of, you know, kind of the mindfulness sort of spiritually kind of people who are like, Hey, we want to pay you for this. We, we recognize what you're doing has value. Right. We want to pay you. <laughs> we're not we're not trying to pay you the bare minimum. <laughs> right. We would have doubled the amount you got if you had sold more beer, but you didn't. So right, yeah, right. Let's book so, something else next time. Yeah, I think that is interesting to check out and play around with. If there's just an easier, like fun and creative and different, and something that like spices up things, but might be also even like easier in a way, and that. You're not working so hard to get try to get people. Yeah, and we're not a conventional band anyway, so it's like having us be unconventional in a in a different way. It's not. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, not that, a that weird a departure. A big switch. Yeah. 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 So the other thing that you do that you kind of started out talking about, I you know met up with you a little over a year ago when you were first kind of laying out the plans for. I've just thought maybe we could talk a little bit about yeah so, how that came about and then I what I really enjoyed was that you had a clear idea I think of what I'd call like your values or like the things that you wanted to make sure were important parts mm-hmm. of how you presented what you were going to present and how that may have shifted or how you've anchored to those values over yeah. the last year or so. Yeah. So uh, for 2015, I took a job, uh, my dream job at Make Magazine as their projects editor, where it was my role to every day find new people who'd come up with cool do-it-yourself projects and uh, work with them to get their projects and their instructions for them published in the magazine and published up on the website. And it was great because he had the clout with Make Magazine. I could, it was a, again, it was one of those changes where uh, before that I had worked at CNET for eight years. And every time I try to talk to somebody or whatever, as a, like a kind of tech reporter person, it was always like pulling teeth where it's like, I, you know, you're trying to get, I'm trying to get something out of you and people would be resistant. They're going to, I'm going to wait for Engadget to contact me, whatever it is, mm. but to be with make and to contact makers, it was like, I was delivering like the, the lottery check to them. And it wasn't, there was no money in it for them, but it was just like, they were so excited to have make contact them. And I was that face of it and work with them to get their projects published and more attention on what they do and was creative about them. And it was really fulfilling work. And I did that for a year and then make just shed a, b- a bunch of employees, including me. And I just didn't want to stop doing that. I, I, I loved it too much. And I felt like even though my time at make, I liked working to get the projects in the magazine. It was so focused on the magazine that there was no time to put it on video or take it a different direction that was more timely mm-hmm. so that when the projects went up, we could talk about them right then and not wait the month and a half for them to come out in the magazine. At what point you are so sick of, <laughs> of editing right. that piece and looking at it and proofreading it and all that stuff. But to hit it while the iron's hot and be able to be enthusiastic about the project as soon as it's out there was a big part of the appeal for me. So I was, I was hoping that by doing the same thing, rounding up my favorite projects for the week and talking about them on a weekly show, 
and also in that curate and explain what's great about the projects. I, just hopefully the audience would be there, the same audience that would be there for a, a Maker Fair or a Make Magazine that would come around the show and be excited with me for these new projects. So that's what Maker Update is. I think when I first started doing my own uh, YouTube channel, my hope was that I'd have more time in the day to do my own projects mm -hmm. too and uh, publish reviews of like kits and other projects and have it be a mix. But it was one of those things where the enthusiasm for the weekly Maker Update Roundup was just so much proportionally or disproportionately there. The audience was there for that compared to what I was doing uh, otherwise. I mean, there's still some of the projects I published have been well-received, but right. um, they, it's, it's more hit or miss compared to what the Maker Updates are. So initially, if I'm hearing you and understanding you is that you planned on doing the updates, the maker updates mm -hmm. weekly, which is a you know you on YouTube every Wednesday, mm -hmm. and then also you sharing projects that you'd be working on yourself. Mm -hmm. But over time, the updates just became the thing that was most popular, most well received, most shared, most. And I think getting to the point where we're talking about, there's nothing, there wasn't anything else out there like it. Like there are um, dozens of amazing makers who are creating projects and publishing project videos that are beautiful and amazing work. And I love covering them, <laughs> but there's not, there had not yet been a YouTube show that really tried to corral all of that into a, a digest experience. You know? Right. Yeah. So the thing that became the different thing was you spotlighting just a few things like you said digest and i would mm. say oh every week i can sit down and go oh check out what donald found yeah. and maybe i saw you know talk about the music that you know analogy or not analogy but we were talking about the music earlier there's so much out there yeah. and yes there's so many people out there um sharing what their projects are but it's nice to be able to sit down and go <sighs> let me just look at these. Oh, wow. These are really cool. Or one thing that I remember you said was very important when I talked about you just before you were launching all this was that you would be pointing to a couple of things that may have more um, skill involved or maybe that you might need to spend a little bit more money, but that you really wanted to highlight beginner entry, you know, entry level type of things that people could do fairly easily or just do in a weekend. Yeah, there is. Kind of stuff. I do feel like in this Pinteresty Reddit time we live in, there are a lot of do it yourself projects that are beautiful and the outcome is amazing. And oftentimes people will share the outcome and you'll see that and you're like that. That's a it's a DIY project, but there's no documentation. There's no if you really want to make the thing not all projects really will step you through the process from from knowing nothing to like coming out the other side with that same object, right? There's a lot of, you know, pictures of beautiful meals, but like the recipe is incomplete, right? right. And so there's a lot of that in the maker world and it bugs me, <laughs> uh, especially when it's a great project. Actually, one of the, the best projects that I've done is the, there was a maker who I've, I later met who hacked a Billy Bass talking fish to have... Uh, an Alexa, like a, an echo interface so that you could right. talk to the fish and the fish would, would speak back to you like Alexa would. And it was amazing. It went viral. His video went viral for that thing, but he didn't show you how he did it. And like, I know that this guy is like a teacher at like a, 
at a, a tech institute where he could he could tell you how he did it and right. he didn't and it bugged me so much uh to the point where i need to go and do it like i i needed to figure out maybe not how he did it but how i would do it knowing what i know mm-hmm. and so i did my own hack of it i published it up on instructables and uh did a, a very short crude video for it but it's been one of my best received projects and i still get you know emails on that weekly on like people who are trying to remake it and it's great but it's again it's one of those things where like there's a lot of projects out there that are amazing but there's not a lot of documentation for it and then the other thing is true which i i I think i'm trying to help with is that there's so many shitty projects out there (laughs) that no one would want to do that are amazingly documented but there there's still so much in that DIY technology space that harkens back to like the seventies radio shack, mm-hmm. like make your own capacitor. And you're like, I don't want to, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to make a bat, my own battery tester? Right. I can, right. Well, I, Amazon can deliver me a, a battery tester for $2 free shipping uh, right now. And it's like, I understand the thrill of making your own stuff just for the sake of making your own things and it being satisfying or exploring the technology. But for me, at the end of the day, I mostly make things because I selfishly want the cool thing that comes out of me making it or that I can't get it any other way. Mm-hmm. Or So yeah, to me, it seems like when I look at what you're um, highlighting, there are things that you're excited about. Mm-hmm. So they're fun or they're just neat and quirky and a little different Mm. or somebody's done something like you said it's where there's a really good step by step so Mm. you feel like you want to point people to that and kind of highlight this person's really good at showing and it's kind of like a rewarding good behavior too like you're saying hey this person's great they put in the work to document it well yeah great photos and explain it yeah I, I I feel you on that because yeah. I think it, and I think that sharing sharing your process is so beneficial, and that more people just want to be around you and and get excited about what you do. And so when I think of that, like the two different things that you're talking about, the band and the maker update, and kind of melding those more, is that I think I would be excited as a as a fan mm. of both of those is to see like you doing behind the you know behind the scenes stuff of you and the band working on robot type of things and kind of seeing like what worked what didn't work mm. um, blooper reels if you will yeah. you know but like the idea of getting to know the three of you better through you working on projects that share the process of what it's like to be in a good band that already does fun quirky things and is really exciting to see how you're gonna try to mix it up and do something in a theater whatever that ends up being or or work with some other artists on doing something that's not like you said not a traditional Mm. three band in a nightclub setup it'd be really fun to kind of see where you go through updates yeah band updates and that's that's part of the the motivation for mixing it up too is that like i'm kind of i'm kind of over tweeting and instagramming about my band doing shows like it's if i'm not interested enough about the show to be excited enough to blast it out and and share my excitement around it then what is that what is that saying you know yeah and and there's an energy to it too like when you i don't know about you but anytime i have posted something just because i feel like 
I should share what this is, but I'm not yeah. really feeling excited about it. Yeah. Nobody likes it. Nobody right. cares about it. Right. But <laughs> it, it, it comes through somehow. Yeah. But like when I'm genuinely excited about something, and even if it's silly or it's a crappy photo, uh, it comes through. You know, so it's not so much that I, because we, we've done it before where it's like, okay, this, we need to be better about Instagramming. We need to like, for this next show, we need to get like three Instagram posts up just to, uh, really try to get the audience out to the show. It's like I don't, I don't know what the formula is, and I don't know how to game it. And e- even if I have the instruction book on how to game it, if I'm, it, when it gets to that point, uh, you've lost me. You yeah. Know? But if the if the game is how do we make this so much interesting, more interesting for us to be a part of that we just naturally want to share because we're excited about it, right? It's like how I always uh, my my Instagram posts go up dramatically when i'm on vacation because i'm excited to like see yeah. new things it's not just that i'm trying to brag to somebody that i'm at a beach or that i'm some exotic destination it's just like i'm out of my usual routines and it's the dust is kind of blown off of my day-to-day life and it, it makes me excited to post that oh i went to this cool bakery you know or right. whatever the the dumb thing is and it's genuine that i'm excited about it you know well, cool. Well, I think we'll probably wrap things up here. Um, so before we wrap up, um, I would like to try to make it a habit of asking folks to share, you know, things that they're just inspiring them or things that are into. And for me, it's a podcast called The Director's Cut, a DGA podcast. So Director's Cut is a podcast by the Directors Guild of America. And they're just these, talk about digestible or digest. They're just a half hour usually. It's one director interviewing another director about their most recent film. Mm. So it's totally shop talk, which I love. I love listening to people talk about process. So every single time it's a director, you know, talking with somebody, maybe, you know, another director they know really well or even not that well, but you get to hear, you know, oh, did you use this? Did you use that? What kind of lens did you use? How did you get these, you know, this kind of performance? I mean, all that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but I just love like that kind of behind the scenes thing talking about not just collaboration but which I'm kind of obsessed with I realize I'm really really interested in hearing how different people creatively collaborate but also that there's just no wrong way so Mm -hmm. each one of these people so I listened to episode 81 which is Edgar Wright talking with Christopher Nolan Mm -hmm. about Baby Driver Mm -hmm. the Shape of Water one with Guillermo del Toro and Baz Luhrmann I mean these are yeah yeah (laughs) just a, a sampling of these episodes so I highly recommend this podcast to awesome directors talk about one of their films um called the director's cut i especially enjoyed the wonder woman one that one was really good about about wonder woman that one that one made me cry (laughs) and i love listening to things that make me cry (laughs) i just get emotional just i just get emotionally moved by collaborations Mm -hmm. like and behind the scenes stuff so much that i've seen the behind the scenes extras on (laughs) Lord of the Rings more than I've seen the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Like when they start talking about working with like this local sword maker or um, bringing in the guys that did a lot of the artwork in the 70s for, you know, different versions of the Lord of the Ring books or the calendars or the 
tomes of artwork. Mm. Like they brought in those a couple of those guys and then they're collaborating with, you know, by sitting out there in uh, New Zealand and sketching. And mm. I'm like crying just <laughs> at watching the art happen and the creativity and people expressing themselves creatively so anyways a little uh <laughs> and i love it it's like happy cry yeah you know? so um anyways uh not that you need to share something that makes you cry but is there anything you'd like to share that, that you and have been enjoying uh i mean I, I know i mentioned this earlier the the tom Sachs piece that i saw in in real life but i've also been enjoying his short films on youtube he has a new one called the hero's journey it's all about like one minion coming up in the ranks in his art workshop. But it's like this tough love, how to like, how to get through my studio and like, it's worth watching. Like a lot of his short films, um, I, I really enjoy. Uh, but they're, they're kind of my soul food that I go back to. Mm. Like he's got one that's like a, like a love story of plywood. And it's just about how they handle, he handles plywood in his shop. Like exactly the, the number of plies to get, mm -hmm. what grain, what rating to get on the plywood, what you paint it, well, when you paint it, before you cut it. And just like, it's, <laughs> but it's not like woodsmith type stuff. It's like a very practical artist take mm -hmm. on working with this stuff. But he's also, and once you see enough of his stuff, you know that some of it is like a kind of macho, no nonsense Demeter is, is just all tongue in cheek gotcha. stuff. Because his whole thing is really about how there's just, mistakes in all of his work that uh one of his quotes is like hey, you know i realized that apple can make the most perfect uh you know device a most beautiful object perfect object in every way no flaws or anything but like apple can't make something as shitty as i can make this chair right i love that yeah. and and so and in that shittiness i have this power and i the more i kind of acknowledge it and exploit the defects in the stuff that I make, the more human it becomes and the more me it is. Mm -hmm. And just that kind of stuff like doesn't make me cry, but it, it does. I love going back and filling myself up with that again. And Austin Cleon, who you turned me on to. Oh, yeah. Um, his newsletter, you know, just following him and his works and the different directions he points me to in terms of books to take on and things to think about. And uh, the guys from Cool Tools, they do another newsletter called Recommendo, mm. which is just usually like five recommendations sent out to you weekly. And it can be like a cheap deal on kitchen towels that Mark Frauenfelder has used right. for, for the past month. It's like, these are great. And they also make great shop <laughs> towels or like a hack on how to, you know, uh, book international travel in China and get to figure out the train station mm -hmm. times or whatever. Some other thing, but it's just like fives, very digestible. But there's usually like one nugget in there that kind of steers me towards something interesting. Cool. So I can recommend Recommendo. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, I like getting I love getting newsletters that just give you the gist of a couple of things. Mm -hmm. And what I realized for me is that I realized, oh, yeah, that's how I like to share information is just like quick little squirts and spurts of things. <laughs> <laughs> like I did my end of the year thing that I just said the incomplete list of things I'm, you know, viewing and and listening to. And, it, you know, I just quickly squirted out 10 or so things. And I mm -hmm. knew like if I said sat down and wrote it all out and tried to think of every single thing it's I consumed. It's not going to be comprehensive. Never... Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And some people are built for kind of doing those comprehensive huge lists. Mm. And I'm definitely not, which is also I realized I like to share through conversation and that writing a new 
newsletter to me was feeling very cold and distant and one-sided. So mm. I do have a thing to sign up for newsletters and I thought I was going to send one out monthly. Mm. And I realized, oh, I really don't like to do that. <laughs> I'd rather throw something out on Twitter or um, get on, on the mic, which yeah. really led me to doing um, this podcast after doing the couple other ones that I did. Yeah. So that's another thing I like doing uh, too, is just for every creative person, we all have our different ways that we like to share information. I like to remind people of that is that if one way isn't really jiving for you, you might just need to find your way. Yeah. So speaking of find your way, <laughs> how can people um, best find all the things you want to make sure you point people to? Makerprojectlab.com is where all the makery stuff I've been talking about lives, uh, including the, the weekly Maker Update YouTube show and the different projects I've done and uh, my, my newsletter, my weekly newsletter, which is basically a, a newsletter version of the Maker Update video, but just with you know, if, for people who don't want to watch the video and they want the links to click, mm -hmm. it's all there. Cool-tools.org is the company that sponsors my uh, Maker Update videos, but I also just love those guys and I'm a fan and they enable me to buy all the tools on my Amazon wish list so that I can get them and review them and talk about them. And Yeah, uh, and we've gotten a couple of tools that you've recommended. Cool. And we but, gave out for the holidays, we gifted everyone that cardboard, that yeah, yellow cardboard Yeah, the cutter. Dan Chan cardboard cutter. Yes. I love that thing. That <laughs> <laughs> was one of my sleeper hits. I had no idea people were going to be so freaked out. Dude, we got it for everybody on our Christmas list <laughs> and even people that don't celebrate Christmas. And everybody was so excited. We didn't have to wrap it. We just stuck a bow on it and said, here you go. We gave it out to everybody before they opened their other gifts. Yeah. So it was easier for the, the, open the boxes. boxes yeah that's the amazon <laughs> box opener they should really just, amazon amazon should like just give that away with prime just to get everyone to be able to get into their boxes easier totally well cool yeah so there's that i think those are the two things on alohascrewdriver.com if you want to check out the band we've been talking about yeah that's where you can hear the sounds Cool. Sounds good. So yeah, we'll wrap that up today. Thank you so much for being my official numero uno. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks again, Donald. You're welcome. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Vibrant Visionaries. You can find this podcast's website at vibrantvisionaries.com. You can find my coaching website at HeidiBennett.com and all of my social links are on both of those as well. I hope you'll consider subscribing and it would be great if you shared this with somebody that you think might enjoy. Anything to spread the word, spread the love is very much appreciated. Just to let you know, at this point, I am planning on releasing two podcasts a month. This one's coming out right at the end of July 2018, so expect another one in about two weeks, and so on and so forth. All right, take care. Bye.